You're listening to Holy Crit with your hosts, award-winning game designer Ross Watson and the branding strategist for geeks, gamers, and techies, Sheena Vandevanter. Holy Crit is your insider's guide to tabletop games, designers, and the conventions that love them. Hi, I'm Ross Watson. And I'm Sheena Vandevanter. I'm Nathaniel Sanderson. And I'm Tyler Romachinsky. Welcome, Welcome to, to Holy <laughs> And we've got with us a couple of great guests, uh, Sheena. These guys are founders of a Kickstarter. Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna have our listeners. They're gonna want to know all about you guys. So why don't you two guys? Why don't you tell us who are you? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go first then. Uh, I'm Tyler Romachinsky. I'm actually the latest. Uh, member of the team. I joined after the Kickstarter and showed up with having worked on a number of other RPGs under my belt and joined the company and went very quickly from a contract writer to I think we don't we're not we don't do well with what titles are in our company because I think it's a lot of small 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 businesses but I'm somewhere between the line developer and project manager and one of the and probably lead writer yeah and then tyler of many hats yes and then nat nat is the head of con presence um probably lead game designer for all of our rpg stuff that sounds right uh yeah and we're from lynn vendor studios we do we do mostly board game and rpg design which means we get hired for other publishers to design games for them uh, our big RPG thing that we kickstarted last year. Uh, we la- we kickstarted in November of last year. Yeah, is Legacy of Mana, which is anti mana and dest- and people destroying magic in a fantasy world. So one of the big things in this this world is as a class called the Ethereum Knights, and they can literally catch spells out of the air and then turn them against their users. Really, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. The book has been through a ton of testing, and it's currently the fifth edition is in layout. Pathfinder edition is in the finishing touches of editing. And they're going to both be out really soon. You can get them on backer kit right now. Then we're going to be dropping modules and other content for it very soon afterwards. Yeah. So we have a very aggressive plan to get modules and. there's actually other random cool content out as quickly as we can after we release the uh, the actual books themselves. Yeah, right. So these were done through the open gaming license with Pathfinder and D and D. Yes. And are you? Do you have any plans to do any system neutral or any other systems? So we uh, we work with a lot of other people's IP right now. Um, the board game arm of our company, for example, uh, we released the Buffy game that's been selling like mad, uh, and it's getting a lot of buzz. We have the expansion for that coming out soon. We've also working, we're also working on the Cowboy Bebop and Dragon Ball Z board games. Ooh. Uh, both, uh, both of which are going to be at Gen Con for anyone who's there and wants to come. Uh, DB, uh, Cowboy Bebop is near to selling out. DBZ is not yet, um, but there's going to be, I think, eight tables of each. 
Yeah, we have a very aggressive plan to have very many tables in our nice... Uh, we have a section at Gen Con that's dedicated to us, and most of the seats are sold. We're running eight of DBZ, Buffy, and Cowboy Bebop, but I think all the Buffy's sold out. Buffy is 100% sold out already. And then in the afternoons, we are uh, running our own uh, IPs for board games. Awesome. I was just about to say, these guys have a link to a lot of uh, licensed games. I was I was noticing they are connected to uh, John Helfers, who does a lot of the book stuff for Shadowrun and Battletech, for example. And uh, they have a Shadowrun board game. Uh, or is it a board game? What is that Shadowrun game that you guys are working on? Um, We are... Shadowrun Legacy, I believe. Shadowrun Legacy? We are working on quite a few projects with them. Um, a lot of stuff is still under the the murky realm of nothing's been finalized in our office to talk about it publicly yet, other than... Got it. <laughs> um, we partner with them on a lot of projects, and I don't want to get in trouble by saying anything <laughs> I'm not supposed to say. Right, right. That's cool. I can intimate something cool is coming in the world of Shadowrun. There yes. is definitely cool things coming we're working on with them. Well, that's outstanding. So you guys uh, recently did this this Kickstarter, uh, The Legacy of Mana, yes. and it was it was pretty successful, and you have a really great-looking page. I want to point that out. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, Sheena, you had some questions from these guys about their Kickstarter, right? I did. So, you know, one of the things that we often get asked um, in panels and things, you know, specifically from new people who want to come in to do game design, uh, they want to produce their own board game or what have you, they they want to do a Kickstarter, but they're not sure how to get started. Um, I know I personally attended an amazing panel at Comic Palooza on what to do and what not to do for your Kickstarter and learned a whole lot there. So I would just love to hear sort of, you know, what are your best practices or lessons learned? Um, you know, what are some of the things that, that went into creating this Kickstarter and what do you believe made it successful? I think I can talk a little bit about the overall company strategy and then hand it off to Nat through a lot of the tactics. Because yeah. you've been doing a lot of question answering and stuff. But if you look at the company as a whole, the big strategy has been, if you look at our history, we, had, we started with Albion's Legacy, which a big part of our thing has been we're going to establish ourselves and develop the company brand while trading off of other already recognized brands. We started Albion's Legacy, which is based upon the King Arthur legend, which is open source. Um, so we already had brand recognition of King Arthur going in and we were able to be like, so think like King Arthur, but a board game. And that's a lot easier to sell than explaining a new IP and a new company and a new designer and a new game. Yeah. Smart. And then a lot of our other projects from there have often been trading upon other IP to get us that established brand. And that has been the, one of the big parts of the strategic level here for us. So that by the time we went and did Legacy of Mana, uh, people recognized Lynn Vander, the design studio, they recognized the company, and we already had fans. So we were able to bring these fans from other projects, and you're not cold pitching as much, and you're developing that, um, that thousand true fans uh, long tail thing going on. So every time we pitch a new project now we're not pitching cold we're pitching to who we already recognize um recognize and get who we are and what we do and understand that when we say we're going to do something uh it's not 
it's not as much of trusting just a stranger on the internet. It's, oh, we trust these people because they have said stuff before. And then we've made, it, we've made a bit of a habit of then over-delivering on promises. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'd like to jump in for just a quick second. Because I saw a lot of your products actually at Origins. And yes. one of the things that Sheen is really interested in is branding. And these guys have got a great branding strategy because I could easily tell, like, oh, there's Sherwood's Legacy, right? And that is a legacy game. And that goes with Albion's Legacy. And that goes with, you know, th there was a very established brand of these games. And they had these great standees. I, I really loved your standees at, at Origins, by the way. Because uh, I walked by them and I'd be like, oh, I, I know what that game is. I know where that's from. I didn't yeah. have any question in my mind that this was related to your other projects. And I think it's also, you know, talking about doing smart things with your, your Kickstarters, I can already see how your... Uh, Albion's Legacy board game is going to flow right into the RPG Kickstarter uh, because you're going to have all that artwork already done, all the graphic design already done, and that's going to just make that RPG so much more profitable because you've already done a lot of the front end work to get the board game out. Yep, and, and at Origins, uh, we did we ran Albion's Legacy the RPG, which is uh, it's still in development. I missed it. It's still in development. It was. Um, but it's very much kind of our reimagining and our our reinterpretation and kind of let's modernize some of this stuff and some of these stories and, you know, put some of these new spins on them. So we, a couple weeks, two weeks ago now, we talked about a bunch of ideas of how to do, how to do it in 5e. I threw up, we use Trello a lot for business. Yeah. For business proceeds and project management. Um... And I threw up, like, here's what I think the... Here's kind of what I think we need... Or here's what we need to hit in a Dungeons & Dragons-type book. Here's how I think some of the ideas should be. And we started to figure a lot of that out. Um, so it is definitely something that we've been, we've been showcasing and giving people glimpses. Uh, and then Legacy of Mana is actually the second edition of a book that was made, I think, 06? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a Pathfinder supplemental book that we made well not that we made yeah, it was but the company made yeah. back in the day it was an earlier iteration of the company that made that and sold out of the, the it was a smaller print run in the days before easy print on demand yeah um and then yeah so so this is unofficially the second edition of legacy of mana but it's been a lot of let's blow that old one out of the water yeah, and we, uh, we, I think on our Kickstarter page, we quoted, I think, 180 pages, but the book itself is going to have something close to 320 when we actually release it. It's going to be a little bit less than that. A little bit less. Due to shipping costs. Yeah. I don't want to be like, hey, guys. Is that for Legacy of Mana? That's how many pages are in it? It's yeah. going to be beefy. It's wow. Gonna be, it's going to be, we ran the numbers, and we're still, it's in layout, so that's that wonderful fret point when we're like, oh, no. If you don't have a multiple of four, you gotta start cutting or adding pages. <laughs> um, yeah. The upside being, our plan is to keep supporting this line as long as people people like it and people seem to be really gung ho. Uh, so anything that doesn't go in this book, we're literally just gonna throw in a different book. Yeah, that's the plan. Nothing's getting 
There's no point. Yeah, it's it's that's a great problem to have having too much amazing content. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah, and we're we're really gung ho for when people get this book. Um, the the backers have been amazing. Of it is a little bit behind schedule as as the entire industry is a little bit notorious for. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> But we're a little behind schedule, but then we've been like, but here's, you're getting more art than you were going to, and you're getting more content, and here's some, like, hints of it. So people have been across the board, like, that's cool then. That makes sense. Yeah, and people have been, like, really onside about it, too. It's been actually kind of cool to see. Yeah. Now, are you guys located in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, we were in uh, Guelph, Ontario, in southern, southern Ontario. So, like, the bit where Canada dips into the States a bit. Yeah. It's about, uh, for listeners who know yeah. where Toronto is, uh, in good traffic, we're about 45 minutes to an hour to downtown Toronto. Oh, wow. So you guys are doing all this behind the Iron Curtain. That's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, historically, it's been really good for us because that dollar discrepancy. That's true. Has yeah. been great. It's so pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's something I, I have heard of a few times in the gaming industry where the exchange rate, you know, being favorable can have a huge impact on the uh, funding for games. And you, you guys are, are basically saying that's a true fact, right? Yeah, definitely. When it bumped up. Cool. Because the, the, the Canadian dollar is back to 80 cents to the American. Um, and we were sitting there like, all right, we got to start planning business decisions around this because it's different when you get almost an extra 50% versus only an extra 30%. Sure. Well, circling back to Kickstarter. So we talked a little bit about sort of the overall strategy. Let's get down to, to brass tactics. Yeah. Brass. What do you mean by brass tactics? I'm a little, uh, I think one of the ones is like how we do short Kickstarters. Oh yeah, we like uh, we like short Kickstarters because then people don't have the uh, time to make the decision to walk away. So a lot of what I've seen in longer Kickstarters and even that I've done myself is I've gone and I've backed a project, then I come back to it, it's just like mm, maybe I have buyer's remorse, I'm gonna back out, or this update was really kind of questionable. Maybe I don't actually like where they're going with this project and kind of walk away from it. Uh, whereas with our Kickstarters, we try to keep them to a week or two weeks. Uh, wow, that's really short. Yeah, we do very fast and furious. Um, there's also, if you look at any of ours, there's usually ridiculous numbers of updates. Uh -huh. yeah, we like to uh, keep an open line of communication to our backers because if something happens or, you know, if something's not happening, backers are always like, man, what's going on? Why, are, why don't I have this in my hand? And honestly, if you hit the deadline and people don't have their product, you get a lot of messages being like, what's going on here? Yeah, and even if they're not mad, it's just they want to know what's going on, you need to have them updated. So we actually have a group chat that everyone on the team is in. And even earlier today, um, one member of the team popped on and was like, hey, there's a question on the Sherwood's Kickstarter fulfillment that I don't really answer to. Can someone just pop on and take a look? And it was handled within half an hour, I think. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, so how long did the did the Legacy of Mana Kickstarter last? What, what, what was the funding uh Period. Uh, funding period, I think, was 16 days, but we can look it up right now for you. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's fair. That's basically what I was thinking. It's probably like a two-week, uh, roughly. Um, doo -doo -doo. It, yeah, I don't know how to look it up. It was it relatively short. Um, I remember starting and then like a week later looking at it after like just having my nose in a spreadsheet for that entire week. 
then coming back to it and seeing how exciting it was. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, but I think 16 days is how long the Kickstarter was. Right, and that's basically your your ballpark of, of what you guys want to do with Kickstarters is, is leave them short, so that's that people yeah. It it does it does two things. One, people, the people who get buyer's remorse don't usually get it within the first two weeks. I mean, some do, but like most don't. And then two, if you stumble with a bad update, like we worked with a company. I'm not going to name names because that'd be like incredibly rude. But we worked with a company where uh, we went to. Um, a con to do work for them and then their guys went and like they went and partied all night and then at three in the morning did an update and we woke up the next morning and we lost like i think we lost 100 kickstarter backers or some nonsense like that oh god and that was like three weeks into the campaign so it was was just like a really big hit when it just didn't need to happen because yeah the other the other kind of reality of it is anyone who's in any creative industry, but especially like game design, and if you're doing game design and they're using Kickstarter to handle uh, pre-orders and handle some of those costs for you, you have a lot of other things that are vying for your time, and time spent running a Kickstarter is not time spent making a game. Yeah, that too. Like In an ideal world, we come to a Kickstarter with a game created and ready to go, but not always the case. Yep. And, and sometimes you go to the Kickstarter to literally see what the market is like. Yeah. And be like, oh, we got this much money to print a game. And then all of a sudden, you're, and then you have to go and you have to take that to, we have a board game. And yep. we now have, this is the price per unit that we have to be able to beat. So this thing we thought we were going to put in, let's say it's extra an extra two dice. That's an extra dollar. Which, extra dollar? which turns into an extra, yeah. It, extra dollar per unit. Yeah, because dice then, are about 50 cents each to print if you get a really good price on them. So part of Kickstarter allows us to figure out what the market will bear for that and to partially reverse engineer what a game is gonna what a game is gonna have to cost. Yeah. Sure. My friend uh, Sean Fennett, he likes to say that running a Kickstarter is like having a gorilla on your back shouting at you the whole time, you're not doing enough as you're running a marathon. <laughs> that is such an accurate statement. <laughs> yeah. So I know you said that you guys did a lot of updates to your backers, but what other things did you do to support getting the word out in terms of Facebook advertising, social media posting, oh, blogging? Yes. What did you do? All the things, and how often, and what color, and how big? Uh, Small <laughs> questions there, Sheena. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do my best to answer all those questions. There's a very big bomb of questions. So, I can do some too. All right, Tyler yeah. field the ones I missed because he's on board. He's on top of things. So um, we, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we actually are in the back room of a board game cafe. Uh, that's where our office is. So the board game cafe actually did a lot of the advertising for us. Uh, we also went onto Facebook, did some advertising. And then in anticipation of running the Kickstarter, we uh, – we started this thing that we, at the time, called Pathfinder League. Now we call it Legacy of Mana League. Yeah. Woo! And what it is is we have five DMs, about 30 players, running one campaign all at the same time in the same world. So sometimes parties will run into each other. It's this really cool, huge forum D&D game that happens in the cafe. And that actually, the size of that helped our Kickstarter quite a bit because those people, I think most of them actually just bought in. 
And then a few months later, we did the 5e side of things because, I mean, yeah. The, there's demand. There's, there's de- demand for the 5e, and there's a lot more 5e players who are willing to try something new instead of doing the same old thing. Because yep. Pathfinder's got so much to it that anti-magic, while really, really cool, isn't the only really, really cool thing happening in Pathfinder. 5e mm-hmm. is so new that putting in something like anti-magic into 5e at this point, people... It's were, new hotness. Yeah, it's new hotness, and people are super on board. Like, all the other people are... I mean, a, a lot of what the other things I'm seeing in D&D is a lot of people rehashing old books and turning them into 5e books, whereas I think... I mean, we're kind of doing the same thing, let's be real, because we're taking an old Pathfinder book that yeah. we did and turning it into a 5e book, but this is something that hasn't been seen in Dungeons & Dragons. Well, I think the D&D guys are, are hungry for content. I think yes. it's, it's, that's what you're saying, right? Totally. Yeah, um, absolutely. So part of what that does is we have this local community here that not only do when we launch a Kickstarter, a bunch of them jump on board and back it, they also spread the word, which is awesome to have people who believe in what you're doing. And without paying them or doing anything, they're sharing your stuff and they're making sure like, oh, you like this game, they tell their friend. Uh, the other thing we do really well. What's up? So we actually have this one guy who's a Kickstarter backer. He's local, and uh, he took it upon himself to be our uh, our social media guy, and it's absolutely oh, yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, we have that, and then we have like we have one of our people who regularly volunteers for cons, regularly goes on Board Game Geek and fields rule, rules questions. Missy. Oh, yeah! One of our volunteers goes on to Board Game Geek and goes on to the forums, and he'll ask rules questions, and she'll answer them before we do. And wow. she'll answer them sometimes better than I can, and it's so great. Yeah. Um, there's that. And then the other thing that I think we do really well is we do lots of high-quality video content regularly. Um, and a big part of that is uh, Thomas Gofton, who's a member of the company, his background is in film. So he brought this expertise to the, the gamers. Table. Pardon? He, he worked on the gamers. Yes, he yeah. did work on the gamers, yeah. Exactly. So we've got all that. Sheena, you've seen that. Um, I don't think I have. <laughs> you haven't seen Hand of Darkness? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> it took me a second to catch up. Yes, yes. It's amazing. The cool thing is the beginning of one of those. I think it's the beginning of the first episode? Of uh, the natural one. Oh, it was natural one. Okay. The beginning of one of those, one of the videos he did, there's actually an Eltherian knight. Wow. He did the thing. <laughs> all, all cross promotions. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we do high quality videos, and for a lot of the games, we literally, we, we have, we have a, we have a special, two, special, a special table in the studio that has like the company logo, and we'll show people prototypes, and we'll be like, here's how the game is going to play. Um, and even if we're only using, uh, like, pieces of paper that are not, like, not even close to finalized art. Yeah. But being able to show people that and being like, this is what it's going to be, and here's how a turn is going to go. And people looking at that and seeing the high-quality video and, and that, extra, that extra polish and that extra attention to it really conveys the sense of... We have that attention to detail, and we're going to make sure everything is just on point. That's that's really great. I mean, I, I do a lot of research on Kickstarters and stuff, and you know, right now to me it seems like the prevailing 
theory is that you want to build engagement as much as possible. You want people talking about your project. You want people to be out there evangelizing for your project, like you were saying these other people are doing. And uh, one of the ways to do that is actual plays, like get that video up there of people playing the game, which you guys were just talking about. So you have this like big advantage with Lynn Vander, where you guys can make the movie about your game and show people, well, not a movie, but you know, make a, a video about your game. And people can watch it on YouTube and say, oh, I know what a, I know what this anti-magic thing is. I'm, I'm playing one of these knights, and I can just absorb the spell. And, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Huge advantage. Amazing. So it sounds like what I'm hearing so far is, you know, establishing your community, getting out into the community. I mean, I imagine that even if you weren't right next to a game store that you guys would still be going to many a game store to try to get your product out there, Definitely. staying on brand and building trust are yeah. kind of three key components. Yeah. So what about um, delivery? What about, I, I know one of the things that we've struggled with at ChupacabraCon is um, making sure that we actually get things out the door on time and managing things like add-ons and all that jazz. And I know there are third parties that will take care of that for you, but it just seemed like a really high cost. Yes. So I have two pieces to the answer to that. And that will correct me where I'm wrong. Absolutely. One part is we don't do the publishing. So mm -hmm. we're not running a factory. We aren't running a run factory. We aren't running a warehouse. Um, for a lot of our board games, it's Jasco Games or other companies. Uh, for the RPGs, Norse Foundry, we design it, and then literally we like we send the files out to the the printer, and it's created and it's sent to the warehouse, and we don't handle very much fulfillment in house at all. Um, so you just send them a list of like these are our Kickstarter backers, and here's uh, what they ordered. What happens is we send the game to print. Yeah. Uh, then the games go to our publisher. We tell the publisher, we need this many games sent to us. Yeah. You can have the rest to do the publisher thing that the publishers do. Yeah. And then when we get uh, those, um, those games to us, we then ship them off all yeah. over the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the part of the result of that is we do get a smaller cut. And that's part of why you see we do, we're very fast and furious in the various projects we take on. Because we get a smaller cut per project, but we aren't worrying about nearly as much warehousing problems. We aren't doing as much logistics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the other side of it is... Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, put on Kickstarter, getting stuff out the door, delivery. Fulfillments. Order fulfillment. Add-ons. Add-ons, add right. Add-ons is the piece. Um, oh, yeah. We have learned a hard lesson about add-ons. Um, Fact. If you look at a lot of our early Kickstarters especially, mm -hmm. a lot of the stretch goals are some pretty sizable expansions. Okay. Um, so we, um, and yeah. we have this... Um, we have so much content in the Albion's Legacy quote-unquote deluxe edition it's really just the kickstarter edition we have so much content that one shipping it is just a huge nightmare because the thing weighs a ton and then two once you've punched out all the components they don't fit back in the box yeah so <laughs> the other side of it is just if you have enough if just because you have enough backers to cover 
the entire print run of your game and then some doesn't mean that you have reached the economy of scale to be able to back the expansion set as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. So doing an expansion set is not only the extra cost of literally printing and shipping an expansion set, it's also the time and effort spent designing it. And a lot of the time, if those are stretch goals, those are things you weren't, you're often excited to do, but they weren't done. And they weren't, yeah. Like, we're going to Kickstarters now with board games. I think our plan is to go into Kickstarters board games fully developed from now on. A lot closer. But we definitely probably won't have any expansions that we have as stretch goals developed. And that means, like, an expansion adds a component to a game that is a bit... You don't expect the expansion to be a big nightmare, but... um, Depending on the game, it can be. Right? Like, there's games... Like, I'll just use Arkham Horror as an example because that's just like an offhand game. You add one expansion to that game, it's big, it's bulky, it's hard to win. You add two expansions to that game, and I've never won that game with two expansions. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine this. Nine. Shut up. <laughs> it would take an hour. Right? Yes. And so you, the logistics of designing those, and I'm a big fan of, like, one of our things for uh, board games, specifically the legacy line of games that we mentioned earlier, uh, is that we want them to be the hardest cooperative games on the market. Yeah. And so we want them to be really hard, but at the same time, if you're doing a good job playing the game, we want you to win. Yeah. Right? So designing expansions such that it makes the game harder but still winnable is actually like a, like a really hard thing to do and not easy to execute. It's a very hard needle to thread. Yeah. So you guys are both, you do both board games and RPGs, both of you, is that right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, then Vader does both. We're a bit and, then, of... and then us specifically also both do both. Yeah, yeah. us specifically wow. also do both. Yeah. So is there, is there a lot of crossover in your skill set for designing for a role-playing game as well for a board game? Uh, well, yes uh, and no. Yes and no, because for board games, a lot of what I do is stare at spreadsheets. And then for role-playing games, a lot of what I do is stare at Word documents. <laughs> it's it's um, a bit of a different beast. There are but... parts. Um, a lot of it is... Basically, it's technical writing. Yeah. It's a lot of... Basically, you're trying to make if-then statements sound a lot less dull and boring. Yeah, then... <laughs> but you go and you look at the AI of any uh, enemy in, a, in like a co-op game, and you're going to realize that they're just really fancy-sounding if-then statements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a lot of that on either side. Um, one of the big... Excuse me, one of the big design ethoses we have realized for RPGs is that balancing an RPG is a very different beast than balancing a board game. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we could talk about game balance for a whole show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, there is a lot of transferable skills, but you're definitely doing... You're definitely doing different but similar things. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring it back around to Kickstarter really quick because we were talking about like completion and fulfillment. And my advice to anybody who's thinking about a Kickstarter has always been get your product as close to being complete as possible before you kickstart. You know, I, I have done a lot of Kickstarters in the past and we've always waited until we were about ninety nine percent there. You know, it was just a few Basically, we were going to have the backers look at it, and they always find something that we missed. <laughs> but we thought it was done. <laughs> Uh, uh, and that's that's the way I like to, to, to do Kickstarter. 
Definitely. We are moving more towards that. We, um, we've had a couple. We've had one game especially. No, we've had two games recently. Um, that... Because game design is a fickle beast. Um, in that you can feel like you're almost done the game. And you're like, oh, we're so close. And then in a meeting, somebody will be like, what... What about this little bit here, this interaction that I just noticed? And, it'll, you'll just... and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, the entire game is broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys what it's like to you know feel like you're done. And then hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, are now looking at the product and going, hey, what about, what, you're missing the thing here. I don't yeah. understand how this works. Right? <laughs> exactly. And I was thinking, like, it's, it's that classic dilemma of the designer. We get so used to it or so close to it. We've gotten we've gotten incredibly lucky that our in-house staff very naturally has very different personality types, so we're all approaching a game very differently. Um, and the result is that when we like when we produce a game, because we've all approached it from these very different impacts, and then also we're next to a game studio, so we can do a lot of testing in-house um but for example like i've been the last two weeks i have been hammering home the essential element and the feel of a game and uh aaron who's on the staff has been hammering home making sure a game is 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 balanced and always fun and josh has been josh is just a miracle worker i don't really know how to do it better than that yeah, no, that's, that's um, a good way to describe Josh. Yeah, Josh Dirksen's on our team, uh, and we, again, we got lucky that we he joined the team, and um, for all of our Star Wars fans out there, if you like Heroes of the Aturi Cluster, that's him. Yeah, he just, he designed it. It was cool. Wow. Which, uh, which RPG is that for? Uh, so Heroes of the Aturi Cluster is, if you know the X-Wing miniatures game. Ah, yes. Okay. It's the uh, fan-made campaign that is like heralded by some people as better than the actual game. But it's it's you and your friends, instead of fighting each other, you all get one X-Wing or Y-Wing, and you run missions against AI. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that actually, that has nothing to do with the, the tabletop RPG, but it's a evolution of the X-Wing miniature game into a more RPG-like format. Yeah. yeah. And okay, he did cool. that he's part of the company. And he did it for fun because he figured X-Wing just needed this. And so he said, ah, I'm just going to do this. Wow, that's really cool. And this is why I love gamers. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, do you guys, when you go to conventions like Origins and you have a Kickstarter in, you know, ongoing, uh, what is your <laughs> game plan? Please. <laughs> I, yeah, we made an internal policy to no longer do that. Uh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> we uh, To give you, um, I guess, uh, like a... Uh, look into what that is like inside baseball and yeah right just to look inside what's going Behind on here. the music yeah um <laughs> i my first year with lynn vander which was last year um 2016 uh we went to origins and we had neverland's legacy and we were launching it at origins which anybody who has done this will know exactly how awful an idea that is that anybody because what happened was we're uh we're sitting and we're talking, and it's like day one of the con. We're like, we're launching it in the morning. And uh, they're just scrambling to get everything done. I fall asleep because, um, to be honest with you, my skills with the computer are about as, my, as good as my skills dancing. 
And if ever we go to go dancing together, you'll realize that is not a compliment. Uh, <laughs> and um, basically, so I passed out because I was just like, I'll be more useful in the morning running games. This would be great. And uh, I woke up at 6 to go to the bathroom, and I went to bed at 10. I wake up at 6, they're still working. Ooh. The- oh. And, uh, and we're launching it at 9. And yep. so... And they just, they worked all the way through till nine. And the entire convention was just them doing work that we real, that Kickstarter backers was just like, hey, why don't you have this? And we're just like, oh man, now we have to go do this in the middle of a column while running hours of hours and hours of programming. Back, and, yeah, back to the previous quote of running through sort of like having a gorilla on your back telling you you're not good enough. Yeah. Doing that on is like doing that while trying to juggle. <laughs> Lots yeah. of coffee at that con, I can imagine. Oh, so good. So, Sheena, what what other questions do you have for these guys about Kickstarters? Oh, goodness. I could probably come up with a million, but we're kind of coming up on time. So I'll ask you then, um, what is your one big takeaway, do not ever do this lesson for anybody wanting to try to pay for a game that they've developed to get printed by running a Kickstarter? Oh, um, besides don't launch at Origins. Besides don't launch at Origins. I know my big one, and very luckily, I learned this lesson by watching someone else screw up instead of us screwing up. Mm -hmm. But for RPGs, learn how to do layout or make sure that you have someone doing layout who is also talking to your printer because layout is an arcane and mysterious art form that if you don't know what a bleed is, and if you just go, I'll send it to you, it'll be fine. You're not getting a book. You're getting garbage. <laughs> I will back you up on that 100%. Uh, 100%. I've laid out just about every single book I've ever worked on. So, uh, yeah, I, I know there's a big difference between laying it out a PDF for drive through and laying out a book for publication because you got to deal with bleed, you got to deal with spines, you got to deal with, I mean, there's all these things, right? So, yeah, totally agree. Fortunately, a lot of guys in the industry have developed templates or you can go to the publisher and ask for a template. Yes. uh, And that's a big help. Yes, we've gotten amazingly lucky in that for whatever reason, the company that prints, I think the vast majority, is it all of the vast majority? Of both the board games and the game and the RPG stuff. Yeah, probably. Uh, we they, have one company that does all of it. Yeah, they love us. They love us, and we love them. And I, we, we've been very lucky in yeah. that, like, they just solve problems for us, and yeah. we just solve problems for them, and we take care of each other. It's so wonderful. They, uh, they will point out problems we have because they're so lovely. That's good. Well, great. Hey, you guys, I want to say thanks for showing up on the Holy Crit podcast. We've loved having you on. Absolutely. Now, where can people find out more about you guys and Lynn Vander on the web? Uh, we're on, I think, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes. All of those as, you just look up Lynn Vander. That's L-Y-N-N-V-A-N-D-E-R. And you'll find us there. Um, we're also at lynnvander.com. Again, L-Y-N-N-V-A-N-D-E-R.com. Uh I think the extent of it, you're going to find all of our stuff there. And then, yeah, you can check out some of So we, you'll be at Gen Con? Yes, we're, we will be at Gen Con. We have a dedicated section of 
in the uh, demo hall. So you yeah. can come hang out with us there. We have RPGs and board games at Gen Con. And then we're also going to be at Dragon Con, but our presence there is a lot smaller. Um, and that is it for the con season for us for 2017. Yeah. Well, you should think about coming down to Chupacabra Con. It's a pretty great convention in Austin, Texas. Oh, definitely. That's quite the job, but I mean... That, but Austin's amazing. I would love to see Austin, Texas. It's on my to-see list, so... Yeah. So. Yeah, come on down. We'll we'll get you a, a guest badge and a room, and come talk on some panels <laughs> and run some games. Panels. Yeah, we'll just if we're getting guest badge and and, and yeah, we can we can make that drive. Yeah. Well, okay, drive. Eighteen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hours, one shot. Only eighteen hours. Oh, we can do that. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> okay, um, you guys. Before I joined the company, I have driven across North America three times in wow. like one shot. Oh. Like, I did Toronto to Vancouver. No, I did Toronto to Seattle in one shot. Wow. And I was like, that's not too bad. It's only 36 hours. In one shot? Yeah. Right. So we got we to wrap up our show here, but it's been great having you guys on and talking about Kickstarters and Anti-Magic and Lynn Vander. We'll see all of you next time on... Holy, Holy Crit! Crit. <laughs>